You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Well, Judges chapter 6, we're going to read the story of Gideon. And before we do, just want to tell you, we've got two new connect groups. First of all, on Tuesday nights for men only, we've got a Digging Deeper connect groups. So what we're doing is going a little bit deeper into the brand new book to another level. So just for the men, Tuesdays at 7 o'clock in room 203. And then on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock, same thing, digging deeper into more detail uh, on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock here in the main sanctuary. Now, over the next few weeks, I'm not going to preach exactly from this book. There's a few things that I'm pre- just taking ideas and then speaking about that. But the more detail is in the book, so I'd love for you to get the book. Don't, um, I said last week, don't buy the book and think, oh, I can, don't have to go to church for the next month. You know, no. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, the, the messages are going to be a little different along the same lines, but a little bit different. And um, we'd love for you to do that. Today, we're going to look at the theme from passive to purpose. Do you believe that you have a purpose for life? Amen. Somebody say, yes, I have a purpose for life. Amen. Now, the next question, I've asked you this before, and I'm going to tell you this right here. The, the next an- the answer to this next question should be no. Okay. Uh, are you satisfied with where your spiritual life is at? No, 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 no. How many of you know we need to take it to a, another level? That's why I say we should never be satisfied with where our spiritual life is at. We read about this character named Gideon in Judges chapter 6, and he rose to another level. And he didn't really think that he had what it takes to go to another level, but we're going to learn what he did and the steps that he took to go to another level. In verse 12 of Judges 6, it says this, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What did the angel tell Gideon? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Can you turn around and tell somebody nearby, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I believe that the same words that the angel of God spoke to Gideon thousands of years ago, is the same words that the Lord is speaking to you and I today. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have the privilege of being right here in your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this story that we're going to study in in Judges chapter 6. We pray that as we get into the word of of God, your word, Lord, that your word will come alive in us and through us. Thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of learning, in this case today, from the life of Gideon. And may we also... When all is said and done, believe that you have called us to be mighty warriors. We pray for your spirit's anointing on this teaching in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things that I've noted in this brand new book, To Another Level, 70 plus To Another Level Lessons. I'm going to share maybe four of them today during this message. But one of the lessons is this. You've got to give up to go up. Somebody say this, you've got to give up to go up. And in Gideon's case, he needed to go up to the place to be a mighty warrior. A mighty warrior is not the way Gideon saw himself, but it is the way God saw him. You see, my friend, God sees you and God sees your potential. We go to the history of what happens here in Judges chapter 6, and God needed a deliverer for his people. 
If you read the history right there this particular time, in fact, verse 1 of Judges 6, it says the people of God, the Israelites, God people, were not living for God the way they were supposed to be living. They were worshiping false idols. They were not focusing on the worship of the Lord God, Jehovah. God needed someone to take them out of that life of sin and lead them on the road to another level, so to speak. Now, when we read the word judges in the Old Testament, sometimes we think of this man or woman in a black robe behind a big counter in a court of law. That's how we generally picture the word judge. And indeed, the word judge means someone who governs or judges. But also, in the Old Testament, I want you to understand this. The word judge gave was a title that God often gave someone who he called, who God called, to deliver his people. For example, Samson was a judge. Deborah was a judge. How many know God raises up godly women in leadership? Do I hear an amen to that? Amen. Deborah was a judge, right? (laughs) Um, Today we're going to study about this man that God rose up, and his name was Gideon. And God called him to be a judge or, in biblical terms, a deliverer of his people. In fact, in Hebrews 11, Gideon was one of the many names mentioned in what we oftentimes refer to as a hall of faith those men and women who did great things for the cause of of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to look at Judge Gideon. Once again, the word judge is deliverer. So what are some steps? First of all, I see that the word of the Lord came to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. How in the world would Gideon understand that? That's a high level. How could he get from where he was to where he needed to be How could he get to another level? That's what we're going to talk about today. Because the first thing we see is that Gideon was dealing with fear. And I want you to picture this as a step towards fear. If you look at this diagram towards the top, you see mighty warrior. That's our goal. That's where we need to be. Anybody here want to be a mighty warrior? Amen for the Lord. Well, Gideon, first of all, if we look at the bottom of these stairs, deals with fear. Why do we say that? Well, if we read verse 11... It says this, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak on Oprah that belonged to Joash, the Abizurite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. I want you to understand that Gideon was living in fear, in fear of the enemy, because we read that the Midianites were the enemy. And how many know sometimes the enemy, the, uh, the devil himself, can really play games with our mind and, and do things against us, but We don't have to fear the enemy, amen, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Unfortunately, Gideon was giving in to fear. And the reason we say that is because the scripture here in verse 11 describes what Gideon is doing. He was threshing wheat, which is something that they needed to produce food. But where was he doing it? Scripture says he was in a wine press. What does that mean? Most of the wine presses back then in biblical days were those uh, recessed pits, so to speak, where they would, where people would put the grapes in, and literally they would they would get in there with their feet and stomp on it. Now maybe maybe I'm giving away my age, but I remember an I Love Lucy episode. Some of you are laughing, where she was stepping on grapes, right? And uh, you know, and sometimes I wonder, is that how they make? Oh, never, never mind. Anyway. Uh, and that was a hilarious show, and I Love Lucy. Once again, those of you who didn't laugh have no idea what I Love Lucy is, Lucia Ball, okay? But, uh, but in biblical days, they would have like a recessed, uh, by recess, sometimes in the ground, 
a, a little pit where they would get in there and stomp on the grapes to produce the wine. Now, Gideon was in a wine press. Now, he wasn't stomping grapes or producing wine. He was threshing wheat. So what was happening there, He would, the way you thresh wheat, you throw the wheat up in the air, and when the breeze would come by, the breeze would take away the shaft, which is the bad part, and then the wheat, which is a good part, would fall back into where it belongs. So in other words, it would, uh, it would be sifting of the bad, take away the bad wind, and then you can keep the good part for what you need. That was called the, the, the threshing floor, the threshing of the wheat. Or, you know, but he was doing it in a wine press, which means he was trying to hide. He was trying to do it below ground, so to speak, because he didn't want the Midianites to see him. Because if the enemy, the Midianites, saw him, his life was in danger. Or they could come and take away all the wheat that he had produced there. So he was living in fear. The enemy was around him and he was living in fear. So he had to overcome. So as we look at this, I think of certain steps that Gideon needed to take to overcome his fear and get to the point, go to another level to get to the point to be a mighty warrior. So first thing he needed to do, I'm going to say this, he needed to, he needed to give up his fears. Remember, you've got to give up to go up. Somebody say that. You've got to give up to go up. There's certain things you've got to give up to go up. How many know if you want to take your spiritual life to another level, you, you've got to give up sin. Amen? You've got to give up certain things in your life that are holding you back from your spiritual potential. Is there anybody in this place that wants to do great things for God? Amen? You want to get closer to God. You want to reach your potential for the Lord God Almighty. Well, Gideon wanted to be there, but he had to overcome some things. What things did he have to give up in order to go up? Number one, fear. Number two, doubts. That's the second thing Scripture says teaches us he had to give up his doubts. And I read this from verse 13. Right after the angel was the voice of the Lord and said, Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. How did he respond? He, st- he responds with doubt. Listen to what he says in verse 13 of Judges 6. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So what was, how, what was Gideon's response to this great statement? God says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon says, I doubt it. That was his response. He was doubting the word of God. How many know if you're going to go to another level, you've got to give up your doubts? You've got to give up your doubts. You've got to give up your, your fears. You've got to give up your doubts. Now speaking, those are the first two things that Gideon had to do. I'm reminded of the story speaking about giving up fears of, uh, of this mom who was, um, who was making dinner and little Johnny wanted to help. So he said, Mom, what can I do? And so, so mommy's, uh, Mom says, uh, uh, Johnny, why don't you go into the pantry, that a big pantry, and bring me a, a can of, of tomato soup? I don't want to go there, little Johnny said. Why? Well, because it's dark. I'm afraid of the dark. There might be a monster in there. He was afraid. Well, you got to go in there. And they were back and forth. And then mom wanted little Johnny to overcome his fear. So mom says, Jesus is there. He's there with you. Okay. So he goes over and he pops open the door to the pantry a little bit. But he was afraid. He didn't want to go in there. He was afraid. So he says, Jesus, if you're in there, could you hand me the can of tomato soup? (laughs) 
How many know sometimes uh, even when even when we say the Lord is with you, we still have our fears, right? Gideon had to overcome his fears. Gideon had to overcome his doubts. Gideon had a whole host of questions, the why questions, the where questions, and all these other things. And it got to, you know, once again, sometimes we fall into the trap of doubt because we fail to realize that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Can I ask you this question? Do you know, do you realize that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Amen? Gideon needed to grasp that idea. And one of the things that I do to overcome my fear and doubts is I stand strong on the purpose that God has created me. In fact, a number of years ago, I put together my purpose statement. And every time I say that and recite that, I realize that it helps me overcome my doubts because I know who God has created me to be. Another level lesson is this. God doesn't call people who are qualified. He calls people who are willing, and then he qualifies them. Amen? So a number of years ago, I wrote this, my purpose statement. I purpose to be intentional about loving God and loving people. I purpose to be a godly spiritual leader to Brenda, a spiritual example to my children and grandchildren, an anointed shepherd to the people of Fortress Church, and a servant of God's kingdom. You see, and when I wrote that, I recognized I, this helps me overcome my doubts. If God tells me something or speaks to me, I know that I have a purpose in life. This is my purpose. Have you identified what your purpose in life is? Because God has some great things in store for you, and this is going to help you overcome your doubts. This is going to help you overcome your doubts. And uh, I believe that God wants us to take our spiritual life to another level. So you got to identify your purpose. A third thing that I see in Scripture that Gideon had to give up in order to go up are, is this, his weaknesses. Weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. I notice what God tells Gideon through the angel. Verse 14 now, and we're in Judges 6. The Lord turned to him. This is after Gideon expressed his doubts and questions The Lord turned to him, verse 14, and says, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Once again, the Lord says, Gideon, go in the strength you have. And I want you to focus on that word strength. God had already given Gideon strength, but he didn't realize it. Are you catching what's happening here? God says, Gideon, Go in the strength I have given you. And I want you to realize God has already given you, every single one of you, certain strengths. What do we mean by strengths? There's certain things that you're gifted to do. There's certain things that you're not gifted to do. Don't ever ask me to draw you a picture or draw you a painting. I am terrible at art, okay? And uh, I'm not even going to go there, okay? Many of you are greatly blessed with some artistic talent. I am terrible at that, but there's certain things that I know are my strengths. Have you identified your strengths and your weaknesses? Have you been able to identify what you're gifted at and what you're not gifted at? Because if you are going to take your spiritual life to another level, if you are going to reach your potential for the Lord God Almighty, you've got to identify how you're going to do that. What steps are you going to take? How did God strengthen me? What strengths do I have? so that I can be the person God ordained me to be. You see, you need to identify that. And what are your strengths? This is what God was telling Gideon. Go in the strengths I have given you. 
I've already given you strengths. Just identify what your strengths are. In other words, one of Gideon's strengths, and I'll tell you this, was leadership. Gideon didn't even know that. Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. He wasn't leading anybody, but God knew Gideon's potential. God knew exactly the strengths that he had already given Gideon. See, Gideon was focusing on his weaknesses. God was focusing on Gideon's strengths. So what are your strengths? What are your spiritual gifts? And we've taught that here for many years at Fortress Church. What are your, what, do you, what are you gifted at doing? Have you identified that? Many of you have taken spiritual gifts assessments. For example, my gifts are leadership, administration, and teaching. And there's certain things that I'm not gifted at doing. Okay? I, I'm, I'm just not gifted at doing certain things, and I, and I acknowledge that. There's times I, I may hear a preacher or see a preacher on TV and think, Lord, I want to be like him. I want to preach like him. God says, I didn't gift you in that manner. This is the way I've gifted you to do it. Okay, God, I'll, I'll do things your way. But there's times that we want to do things that other people want to do. And you know what? No, God has gifted you in a unique way. Do you realize that God has uniquely created you? And it's for a purpose. You are not a mistake. You're not a mistake. God knows exactly, exactly what he gifted, gifted you to do. God doesn't make mistakes. He created you in a unique way with special gifts to do kingdom work. And, and I love how God just works things together, whether it be in the church or whether it be in a marriage, two people coming together, which is a lot of we're going to discuss Saturday at this workshop with, uh, with um, relationship reality, you know, Brenda, even her name means sword. My name means shield. And together we're like, you know, we make a pretty good tandem there, you know. Fight the devil, okay. <laughs> you pull out your sword, I'll be the shield, right. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, is that by coincidence? No, God has gifted every one of you, whether it be in your marriage, in your workplace, in your ministry calling, for a particular purpose. So I praise God for that. Then there's... um. There's strengths as well, uh, and sometimes we we want to identify our what what are your your strengths. There's a assessment called Strengths Finder. How many of you have done a Strengths Finder test? And then if you have, you know what your strengths are. Mine are, for example, responsibility, activator, maximizer, arranger, and achiever. And for some of you that have no idea what that is, I invite you to to check out a link that we have on our on our toanotherlevelbook.com. I'll explain that in a minute. But it helps you identify, this is how God created me. Now, I don't know about you, but if if God created me in a unique way, I want to find out what did God do? How did he create me? How can I reach my potential for God? Well, there's a purpose why God wired me the way I am. There's a purpose for that. And if I try to do something different, it's not going to work, Okay. I would, I would, if I'm in another area of life besides pastoring and ministering, I would not reach my potential because this is what God called me to do. I have no doubt about it. This is my purpose in life. Not too long ago, I was hearing a, a lady giving a testimony, and she was a great testimony, speaking about great things for God, but she made a comment that I disagreed with. She said this, you can be anything you want to be in life. And I disagreed with that statement. She said, you can be anything you want to be in life because I realize, no, it's, you can be anything God wants you to be in life. 
Because if God did, you know, if I, I want to be an NBA superstar. Am I going to be an NBA superstar? Brenda says no. God did not create me. God did not gift me to be an NBA superstar. Okay? I can't be anything I want to be. No. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to understand who strengthens me because that's not my strength. Being a, an NBA basketball player is not my strength in life. We quote that scripture many times. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you understand that word strengths? What did God strengthen you to do? And if you do that, you can do it with the anointing of God. That's why I, I, I love to say that God has gifted you. God has given you certain strengths, motivational gifts and spiritual gifts and strengths and personality bents. The personality plus assessment says that I'm a, a, a choleric or chlormel, which means it matches me similar characteristic as the Apostle Paul. And with that come certain strengths and certain weaknesses. And what I love about these assessments, it tells you what you're gifted at doing, what your strengths are, but it also tells you what to be careful about. And I love that because when I study how God wired me, I understand, oh, I need to be careful about this because my certain personality bent uh, sometimes can do this. For example, uh, the core male, which identifies who I am, it identifies me as goal-oriented and detailed, but I've got to be careful about my tendencies toward perfectionism. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm being vulnerable here, okay? That, you know, there's some strengths about who I am. There's some weaknesses about who I am. Don't, and, and I want to learn, God, okay, I need to be careful about what? Okay, this is, I need to be careful about that. So this Saturday in our workshop, we're going to study this. Uh, the, the charmer, the implementer, the peacemaker, the analyst, is what we're going to do in this Saturday's workshop in Relationship Reality. Love for you to come. It's going to help you identify yourself, who you are in Christ Jesus. It's going to do wonders in a marriage, in your relationship, in the workplace, in ministry. Just understanding how God wired you. If you haven't signed up, uh, once again, as we said, with Cindy Bartelli this coming Saturday at 9 a.m., $20 now, 25 at the door on Saturday morning. According to the Myers-Briggs assessment, I am an INTJ, which means I'm strategic, but I've got to be careful about overanalyzing things. Yeah. See, I'm learning how to understand my strengths and weaknesses. I love this quote from John Calvin. He said this, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. Hmm. According to the DISC profile, I am a high S and a medium high D and a low C, which means I strive for positive environments and relationships, but I have a difficult time saying no. You see, as I learn how God wired me, it helps me understand I've got to be careful about this and that other thing. Hmm. I've got to be careful about that. According to my ministry strengths, living your strengths, that profile, I can be frustrated when put in a situation that is nothing more than a rambling discussion. I am skilled at observing and collecting data from different subjects. I like to assemble facts and data before making decisions, and I am basically introverted but will engage in social conversation when the occasion warrants. So it tells me I'm basically introverted, and you may say, well, Pastor, you're up there yeah, what I've done over the years is I've learned how to overcome those things because of God's anointing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I'm learning how I can better myself 
to honor God here. Well, one more is the emotional, the EQ, emotional intelligence. It says that I'm good at perceiving my own emotions, but I'm not very good at taking note of other people's nonverbal cues. Hmm. And I got, you know, I'm, I'm being vulnerable now because I'm learning about myself. Those are some things. Now, some of you are wondering, well, how can I be more self-aware? We put a number of links, of course, in one of the chapters here in the book. I talk about this. And there's a link at toanotherlevelbook.com where it shows links for many of these assessments. If you want to learn more about yourself and how, how God wired you, you're going to be able to reach your potential for the Lord. I love this quote from Ravi Zacharias. He says this, The day that each person willingly accepts himself or herself for who he or she is and acknowledges the uniqueness of God's framing process marks the beginning of the journey to seeing the handiwork of God in each life. I love that quote. Once again, God tells Gideon, go in your strengths. I have strengthened you. Gideon was focusing on his weaknesses. God says, no, I want to focus on your strengths. Today, some of you have a great calling of God upon your life. Don't focus on your weaknesses. Can you think about how God sees you? God sees your strengths, your potential for his kingdom. Another item that Gideon had to overcome or give up in order to go up is self-condemnation. In verses 15 and 16, he starts condemning himself. Let me read it to you. He says, pardon me, Lord, this is his response, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. He starts condemning himself. Lord, I don't believe what you're saying. You're saying that you want to give me a purpose and a plan. You're saying that I'm called to be a mighty warrior. God, I don't see that. I mean, my family, it's the lowest of the low. And from my family, who's the lowest of the low, I'm the lowest on the totem pole there. Me? God, are you sure you have the right person? My friend, if you want to accomplish great things for God, you've got to quit condemning yourself. You are created in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't give God excuses like, I'm not talented enough. Or, you know what, whenever somebody tells me that, I just don't have the talent to do anything for the Lord. That's an incorrect statement. All of us are talented. You just got to find the place where you are talented at. How God gifted you. You're all gifted. Every one of us. But sometimes we play the comparison game. Well, I'm not talented like this person. or I can't do this like this other person. You know, God uniquely wired you with special gifts and abilities. Are you ready to identify how God created you? And once you do, you're going to be able to go to another level and reach your potential for the kingdom of God. Gideon was condemning himself. Pretty much he was saying, I'm a nobody. Look look at my, my family. I'm a nobody. I heard one man respond by this. He said this, I may be a nobody, but I'm a nobody who wants to tell everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. (laughs) kind of like that, right? See, what God is calling us, what God wants all of us to have is, I'm going to say this. This is another to another level lesson. Got to have Godfidence. Godfidence is confidence with God's anointing. It is confidence at another level. Anybody want Godfidence? What do you mean by that? See, it, it, it takes confidence, and confidence is good. 
But when you place God's anointing on your confidence, I call it Godfidence. Somebody say, I want Godfidence. (laughs) You see, that's what we all need to do great things for the honor and glory of the Lord. Another step, another thing that Gideon had to overcome, remember he had to give up in order to go up, is this, his own will, his own will. And the reason I say this, because looking at verse 24, Judges 6, Scripture says this, that Gideon built an altar. Gideon built an altar. What is an altar? An altar is a place of commitment. It's a place where our will is negated and God's will becomes prominent. Gideon had to come to the place and say, okay, God, if you're calling me to be a mighty warrior, if you're calling me to lead, okay, I will put down my will and I'll I'll lift up your will. See, in order to go up, Gideon had to give up his own will. He built an altar. Some of us today need to build an altar. We need to come to the altar and say, God, no more running from you. I'm ready to serve you with everything that I have. Now, I love what he said here. He says he built an altar and he called it, Scripture says here in verse 24, the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. That's what he called his altar. The Lord is peace. Peace, many of you know, in the Hebrew is the word shalom. Somebody say shalom. Now, in Hebrew, peace, shalom goes more than just meaning peace. It means wellness of of mind and wellness of heart. Sometimes we don't understand why what things are, are, are happening or how things are going. Forget in God, what are you doing? You're calling me this I'm a nobody, and you want me to lead an army to defeat the Midianites? God, I don't understand. That's when God gives us a peace beyond our understanding. God gives us a peace beyond understanding, his shalom, wellness of mind, wellness of heart. Sometimes things happen that we don't understand in the natural. That's when God's shalom comes and just embraces us. It's hard to understand why a a beautiful young lady of 33 years old, Mindy Bonnet, her years on earth came to a close. And I want to commend Pastor Dennis and his wife, Lisa, for being such strong people of faith during their most difficult time. And um, But one of the things I took note when we were at the burial on Monday in Lake Jackson, Texas, is that um, after the funeral service, we went to the burial plot there at the cemetery and Lisa Marita was called the Garden of Peace, that little section, Garden of Peace. And, and I was reminded as I was looking at Gideon, Gideon called his altar, the Lord is Peace. And I say shalom because that's when we don't always understand why things happen, but we still have wellness of mind and a, and a wholeness of heart. When we don't have all the answers in life, the Lord is our shalom. Thank you, Lisa, for you and your husband for being strong in the Lord. And, um, and the Lord is your peace, and we don't understand why things happen. No matter what you are going through as well, you may not have the answers of life, but we can say, you know what, I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to call it Shalom. The Lord is my peace. One more thing that Gideon had to overcome, he needed to give up in order to go up, is this, lack of faith. Lack of faith. What did he do in verses 36 to 39? Now, I'm just going to paraphrase because um, 
uh, we're running out of time, but Gideon put a fleece before God. What does that mean? How many of you have heard the terminology, I'm putting a fleece before God? Well, what, what that means, well, this is where we get it from in Judges 6. Gideon took a fleece, which is the, the, the wool, and he put it out, and he says, okay, God, uh, tonight I want the fleece to be wet and every, all the ground around it to be dry. So that night God did that. Okay, Gideon said, okay, God, let me give you a second fleece. Okay, now I want it to be reversed. I want the fleece to be dry overnight and the ground to be wet. God did that, okay? Now, sometimes people ask me, Pastor, is it, is it wrong for us to put a fleece before God? And my response is this. It's not a sin. It's not wrong. But it is an example of someone who lacks faith. Because God was speaking to Gideon. God was speaking time and time again. And if Gideon was a man of faith, he would have said, okay, God, I'm ready. Let's go. People with faith don't need to put a fleece before God. Those who put a fleece before God are saying, God, I know you said this, but uh, God, can you tell me again? And then God answered. Well, Gideon said, can you th- I'm going to put another fleece before you. I mean, that is a, a picture of lack of faith. So once again, if you put a fleece before God, it doesn't, it's, it's not wrong, it's not a sin. This means you need to take your faith to another level. Gideon had a lot of lack of faith. I mean, he, was, he had fears, he had doubts, he had weaknesses, he had self-condemnation, all this. And, and now it came to the point, well, God, are you really speaking to me? And so God answered even in Gideon's fleeces, so to speak. But once again, I, would, I want to recommend to you, you don't need to give God a fleece. Just accept his word the first time. When God speaks to you to do something, just do it. Just obey. Obey God. Do what he tells you to do. You don't need any fleece before God. Well, God, if you do this, then I, you know, then I'll do this. If this, you know, no, no, you don't need all that. Just say, God, just tell me what you want and I'll do it. Just tell me what you want and I'll do it. So then, speaking about lack of faith, God challenged Gideon. Gideon finally comes to the point, okay, God, I will lead the army against our enemy. The Midianites had 135,000 in their army. Gideon rallied his troops, the people of God, 32 men, 32,000 men, rather. Now, if you compare a, an army of 135,000 to 32,000, how many know you're outnumbered? That's about four to one or so. Oh, you got your work cut out for you. But God wanted to challenge Gideon's faith. So God says, you got too many people in your army. God, I imagine Gideon says, God, but 32,000 versus 135,000? God says, you've got too many people. Well, what do I do? Just tell whoever wants to go home, go home. Gideon made an announcement. Anybody who wants to go home, go home. 22,000 of his 32,000 left. He was left with 10,000. Oh, my goodness. And I've got to face an army of 135,000. You know what God says? God was still challenging his faith. You still got too many guys in the army. What? I'm down to 10,000, Lord. Still got too many. Take them to the, to the water brook and, and just watch how they drink water. And those who get the water and cup it in their hands and drink from their hands, those are the ones that I want to use for your army. Well, okay. 
Well, only 300 out of those 10,000 did that. So Gideon had to send 9,700 more of his army home. 300 in his army versus 135,000. Oh, my goodness. Now, how in the world could Gideon win this battle? You see, I mean, no, God doesn't look at numbers. God looks at the heart. God looks at your heart. And so many times God challenges us with, I'm going to say, lack of numbers, so to speak, because he wants to increase our faith. Do, will I trust God? Gideon was thinking, can I trust God with only 300 men when just a few days ago I had 32,000 men? Could I trust God with just 300 men? Okay, God. So Gideon had to overcome his lack of faith. So the good news is the victory was on its way. Let me jump to chapter 7, and we'll end with this because it says, let me read, begin reading in verse 19 of Judges 7. It says, Gideon, now before I read this, what Gideon did, he had 300 men, so he, he set them apart in three companies, 100, 100, and 100, three companies of 100 each. So it says this in verse 19. Gideon and, and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets broke the jars that were in their hands. How many know breaking jars and clanging on jars? Those of you who have kids in the house, you know how that can be very loud. Verse 20, the three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in the right hands the trumpets. They were to blow. They shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran uh, crying out as they fled, it says, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. <laughs> with 300 men, Gideon defeated 135,000 Midianites. Wow. How many know with God all things are possible? Amen. With God all things are possible. And it was at that point Gideon says, well, maybe now I'm a mighty warrior. (laughs) It didn't start off that way. There was a long road. God was taking Gideon step by step to another level, to the place to be the mighty warrior that God called him to be. My friend, no matter where you are in life, no matter how young or how old you are, God wants to use you and you've got potential. Thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Fortress Church is located in San Antonio, Texas, near Bandera and Pru Road. For more information, check us out at www.fortresschurch.org.